I was seven years old when Pat Benatar in 1983 released that hit song, Love is a Battlefield. That's not a great start. It was 1984 when Tina Turner posed the question, what's love got to do with it? And taught that love is just a secondhand emotion. It's nothing. These are the messages that I grew up with as a child of the 80s. And um, I'm sure many of you have many other uh, views that love has been portrayed as in media and in music. Love is perhaps the most misunderstood word and concept in our culture and in our world and in our community. And I think one common or recent example of this misunderstanding was a couple of years back with the marriage equality um, political debate that was going on and the slogan that took off, love is love. Do you remember that? It was everywhere, love is love. And I think that slogan should tell us the distorted view that our culture has today on what love is. The slogan was recently used to support changes to marriage law, as we were know. And I get what they were trying to say. I get what the basic message is there. Love is a feeling that can be experienced by anyone. Any, they're saying any gender, any race, any age, whatever the background, love is love. It can be experienced between anyone, regardless of these factors. And in a part, we'd all agree with that, of course. We know that love can be experienced by anyone. So, but this slogan then is actually confusing to people. Because as Christians, we would agree with it. We would agree that love is great. We would love, we love expressions of love. But in the context that this slogan was used, it was saying so much more. It was saying that love is whatever I want it to be. Love is however I want to define it today in my circumstance. Love is all about how I feel. Love is about my agenda and love is about my needs being met. That's how this slogan was used. Our culture would also say that love is fleeting. You can fall in love and just as easily you can fall out of love. We give love, we take love away. Love is about experience. Love is about how we feel on any given day. Worldly love is based on circumstances. It's based on what's happening around us. It's based on other people's behavior. We love people when they're nice to us, when they're doing good to us, when they're lovable towards us. And then we can take that love away when things get tough. The world says that love is something that ought to be earned and that it has conditions attached to it. So a slogan like love is love just doesn't cover what love is. Amen? Biblical love is something so much more than a fleeting feeling. It is so much more than what the world has told us it is. Biblical love is unchanging regardless of the external circumstances. Regardless of what's happening around us, biblical love stands. It is given freely to the unlovable and at great cost to the giver. It's powerful. Biblical love is fierce. 
Biblical love is unrelenting and it is intentional and powerful. Biblical love has the power to change a heart, to transform a mind, to transform a life and to give eternal life. Transform lives for eternity. In fact, Scripture prizes love above everything else that we do. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I wonder why. Why would Paul say that the greatest of these is love? The answer is because God is love. See, love is not just something that God does. It is who he is. We're told in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. It is the essence of who he is. It is in and through and the reason behind everything that he has ever done and will continue to do. Love is in everything that God does from before the beginning of creation. Every act, every thought, every plan of the Almighty is driven by his great love and it's because it is who he is. You cannot separate God from love. It can't be done because love is who he is. People ask, what is the meaning of life? The answer is a simple one, love. It's just that people don't understand what that means. The very reason that God spoke creation into being, the reason he made you and I, was love. It's who he is. John 3.16, of course, reminds us that it was this great love that caused God to send Christ and Christ to go to the cross. When sin fractured our relationship with our heavenly Father, the great love of our God took Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty for that sin, to bring us back into right relationship and reconcile us with our Father. Amen? And Jesus, clothed in humanity, lived among us so that we could see him, touch him, get up close and personal with him. And in Jesus, we could see what love is. Jesus came and showed us in the flesh what love looks like. He showed us the standard for what love ought to be. He gave us the greatest example of love. In the life of Jesus, we see what love should look like, what love does, the results of love in Jesus. We see a perfect demonstration of the perfect love of the Father. Jesus brings it all to us in the person of himself. It was for love that Jesus gave up his heavenly home for a time and came to earth to bring the kingdom of God near to us again. That was an act of love. It was for love that Jesus called ordinary men like you and I and he invested into them and he discipled them and he tolerated their weaknesses and their mess-ups because of that great love, he tolerated their shortcomings and he called them to be his closest friends 
That is love. It was for love that Jesus revealed his glory in miracles, turning the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, walking on water to get to his friends that were in great distress in the storm. This was love. It was for love that Jesus responded to every cry from help from the people that other people didn't see. He heard every single one of them. Amen. He gave every person value and worth. It was for love that Jesus healed the blind and the lame and the deaf and the lepers. It was for love that Jesus broke convention and dined with sinners. It was for love that Jesus spent his time with the least of these. That's where Jesus was showing love the greatest. It was for love that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It was for love that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. It was for love that Jesus endured false allegations, persecutions, rejections, desertion from his friends. For lovingly, for love, he willingly gave his body to be beaten and to be broken to the point of death. It was for love that Jesus, having no sin of his own, took on himself the sin of all humankind, gave his life on a Roman cross. And it was for love that he cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he said it is finished, it was a great work of love on that cross. And maybe you're here today and you haven't experienced or encountered the love of Jesus for yourself. I want to encourage you today to open your heart and ask him to show you how much he loves you. Just ask him to reveal even a smidge because if we really got it, if we really understood the power of the love of Christ, we wouldn't be able to stand. Just ask God to show you what he's done for you. When you accept Jesus, you are loved in a way that you cannot think or imagine in a way that you can't comprehend, completely forgiven, completely given a new life, assurance that if you pass into eternity, you go into the loving arms of your God. We have an amazing, loving Father. You and I are loved with a fierce and powerful love. You need to hear that this morning. You are loved with a fierce and powerful love. And God promises in his words, I'm quoting Romans 8 here, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the love that you and I have today. You have it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive for it. God is not going to love you any more tomorrow than he loves you right now. You are loved with a fierce and powerful love. Will you let him love you this morning? Will you just let him love on you this morning? Because that's what he wants to do. Some of you, I feel, need to hear that today. It's so easy to feel unworthy when we look at ourselves and we recognize that we are a sinner, that we are flawed, that we mess up. Gosh, many of us have already messed up today. It doesn't change the Father's love for us, not an ounce. But we feel it in ourselves and the enemy will try to tell us that we're not good enough. How can you be loved like that? 
but the word of God says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are all equally, equally across this place, across this globe, recipients of this great love of God. We are all recipients. You have received it. God cannot do any more to love you any more than he does. You are a recipient of this great love. And so my question this morning is, what are we going to do with all this love? What are we going to do with it? This love that we have been given, this love that has been poured out on us, great cost to the Father. In Matthew 10, verse 8, we are reminded, freely you have received, so freely give. Amen? If you understand the love of God in your life, then you won't be able to help but reflect that to others. When you really get it, how much you've been loved, how much you are loved, you cannot help but shine that to the world around you because his love transforms us. His love transforms our motives. His love transforms our hearts, our priorities, how we look at our world, how we look at the people in it. Changes how we see each other. It should change how we see ourselves. It changes everything. And how can we not share all that we have been given deliberately, intentionally, and freely? Freely we have received a fierce and powerful love. Freely we ought to give it. Do you agree with me this morning? So let's consider what this looks like. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 13.7. A very classic wedding passage here, and yet it is so much more than that. It says this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Read that again. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Firstly, bears all things. You know, as Christians, there are things that we are asked to bear. We are asked to bear because of the love of Christ. The first thing that we are asked to bear is the burdens of other Christians, the burdens of each other. We're encouraged to carry each other's burdens. Church should never be a place where people feel that they are doing it on their own. It should never be that way that somebody slips through the cracks and feels that they are unnoticed. That is not God's design for church. You see, you don't need to come to church to be a Christian. We know that. But we come to church because this is the gift that God has given us in which to grow each other, encourage each other, build each other in our journey of faith. That's a gift to us, but we as the church are a gift to the others that come too. It's not about just receiving, it's about giving and it's about building into other people. Amen? We gather to encourage and to carry each other and to look out for one another. The church community needs to be a safe environment for people to come and say, hey, I am struggling. I'm doing it tough right now. 
This is the place that we want them to be able to come and say that. When we love God and his people, the natural extension of that is to be there and to support each other in the church, lifting each other in prayer, extending hospitality, offering help, cooking a meal for someone who you haven't seen around in a while. Maybe there's someone who hasn't been around and you're wondering where they are. Nothing opens doors than a bowl of soup at the doorstep. Cooking a meal for those who are sick or in hospital, mowing a lawn for someone who's doing it tough, listening and empathising. This is why we are here together as a church. We are asked to bear the burdens of one another. We are also asked to bear the weakness of new believers. Sometimes we can forget that. Sometimes church can become about the songs that we like, the messages that we like, and the way we like to do things. But you know what? That's a small part of it. It is great if you come to church and the songs are exactly on point for what you like and the sermon really hits all your buttons. That's awesome. That's a bonus. Because really when we come to church, we come to support each other, build each other up, worship God, and to look out for the least, the weaker ones among us the new believers who need to be nurtured, who need to be enveloped, who need to be brought into that community. It's not about us all the time. It's about those who are getting established in their faith. So when we come to church, it's looking out for those who may not understand why we clap our hands, who may not know where they should sit or how they should respond in different things. And we come alongside them and we share with them our journey. We share with them those next discipleship steps. We take them on their faith journey, Bible study, leading them to baptism, all those exciting things. Love compels us to say that I'm going to be mindful of the needs of others above myself. It's not about me and my preferences, it's about others. Maybe we've heard messages before, maybe we've sung songs a million times, but there's always someone among us that hasn't heard that message that hasn't sung that song, that hasn't heard that prayer. And we're called to bear the newer Christians as well. Look out for them. You know, when somebody makes a decision for Christ, the enemy will do whatever he can to come in and steal that away. And we as the church need to put a hedge around them, support them, get them into community, get them into our homes, get them connected. Amen? Love asks us to bear all things. We bear Christians, each other, the needs of each other. We bear new believers. But you know what? Love also asks us to bear things that are unbearable, to bear the unbearable, to cover the sins of our brothers and sisters, to offer forgiveness and grace when that seems impossible. I'm making this love thing sound like a lot of hard work. It gets better, I promise. But we are asked to bear things that seem unbearable. You know, there was a lady who was an administrator at the school my children went to, and she'd been married, she had 10 children, and her husband left her for another woman. She suffered that hurt. It's unimaginable. 10 children left on her own, and he's left for a younger woman. Years went by, and he got cancer. This lady took not just him back into her home, but the mistress as well. And she nursed him back to health and took care of his new family as well. 
Now, I look at that and go, that is not normal. (laughs) How? But when I asked her about that, as so many people do, she said it was love. She loved him, and that hadn't changed. She loved her children, but most importantly, she loved God. It is the love of Christ in us when we have a revelation of that that leads us to do extraordinary things that we can't do in our own strength, that seem impossible for you and I. But love bears all things. And it does so without grumbling and without letting everyone know about it. It just does it because we're recipients of great love. We want to be givers of great love also. All right, that was tough. Bears all things three more. (laughs) Love believes all things. Now, we're not talking about being easily deceived and, you know, just believing fairy tales, but this is about believing the best in other people. Believing the best for and in other people. To believe that people, even though they don't always do things the way we would like them to do, are acting with the best intentions, that their heart is good to start from that position when we approach other people, to believe that every person is valued and every person has a contribution to make, to see the godly potential in every single person that we meet, no matter how far away from him they may seem, no matter how messy they may seem or challenging they may be, never writing a person or their plans off. We do that as people sometimes, but God never does that, not with us and not with other people. Amen? Believing all things is standing on the promises of God's word and believing that all things are possible for ourselves and for other people. To believe that no matter what we see on the surface in other people, in our circumstances, no matter what we see, the Bible tells us that God is always making things new. And we believe for that promise. We believe that we will see his call outworked in other people. We believe that God is at work. and People will reach their godly potential. Believing all things is to believe that the very small things that you and I do to show love, the very small things, when we journey with others, we give of ourselves and we serve, even in the smallest of ways, investing other people, Believing all things is that believing that God will use that to accomplish his plans and his purposes. That everything we do is not wasted when we do it with love. Because that is the driver that Jesus showed us. That is our driver, the love of Christ. It compels us to do even small kindnesses to other people. And none of that is wasted. We should actively be looking for things. Sometimes it's so easy to go, my small donation My small action can't make a difference. And so what do we do with that? We withhold it. It's not really going to change anything. What's the point? But there's always a point when it is given out of love because God takes that offering, multiplies it for his purposes, and his plans are always going to be accomplished. This requires that we love, that love be how we think and how we speak to people and about people. We speak with love, seeing the God-given potential in each one. It's easy to grumble, but love compels us to go beyond that. Amen? Love hopes all things. 
We hope for the accomplishment of God's promises. And our hope is a living hope. Our hope is not a fanciful, oh, gee, I hope, you know, the unicorns will come over the rainbow. That's not Christian hope. Christian hope is solid. It is on the word of God. It is birthed in the love of Christ. It is birthed in the knowledge that his word is true and amen, that he is unchanging from yesterday, today and forever. Our hope is solid and our hope is secure. So when we hope all things, we hope with eager expectation. We hope with anticipation that we are going to see God's uh, promises accomplished. We hope for others to see the answers to their prayers, to achieve their goals, and we actively join with them in faith. We stand shoulder to shoulder, encouraging one another with the word, believing and hoping that we are going to see their circumstances turn around. We hope for a future, even when things are difficult and challenging. You know, I am as concerned as the next person about the direction our world is going. It's horrifying sometimes. You, It's easier to not watch the news, isn't it? You know, look at the community. But I live with the assured hope that Jesus is coming back and he's going to restore all things and restore perfect shalom. Amen? We hope that the hardest of hearts will be opened to Christ. We live in hope that even the most broken of relationships can be restored and can be healed. We hope for change. We always hope for change and we know that in Christ all circumstances are subject to change. Christian hope is grounded, as I said, in the very word of God, a sure foundation. So we hope actively. We hope in faith. Amen? Finally, Love endures all things. Love endures all things. And perhaps this is the most challenging of these, although they've all seemed a bit challenging to me. (laughs) Love endures things that are disagreeable to the flesh. Love endures all afflictions. Love endures trials and setbacks and failures. Love still endures. Love endures temptations. Love endures persecutions. Love endures rejection. Love endures financial difficulties. Love endures through sickness. Love endures all things, but not the love that the world offers us because it's not enough. See, love in the face of these things that the world offers, it crumbles, it falls down, it's left, it's called short, but not biblical, Christ-grounded love. Amen? Not a love that is um, grounded just in what feels good at the time or conditional on others. Only love that comes from the Father, only love that you and I have freely received can endure all things. And here's the good news. You've already got it. You've got that great love. You have within you the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It is in you. The moment you accepted Christ, you were a recipient and that love lives in you. 
You know, if I was asked to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things and endure all things in my own ability, in my own humanity, in my own weakness, I would last a whole two minutes. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because I have a side of me that just looks at things and goes, not worth my time. That's how we are as human beings. But it is not about me. It is not about you. It is all about him. It is about Christ and about Christ in us who gives us the ability to love the unlovable. It is Christ in us who enables us and empowers us to forgive, to overcome, to endure, to hope, to believe. That love doesn't come from within us. It's not a resource we have within ourselves, but we have it because we have Christ in us and in him all things are possible. With man, things may be impossible, but with Christ, all things are possible. You can love this way. You can love this way. You can have a love that matches this list we've already looked at this morning. Loving the way that we are called to love is not just about doing things on the outside. It's not just about going through the motions, ticking a box, being kind so we can say, yes, I demonstrated Christian love today. That's not what it's about. It's about allowing the love of God to completely envelop you and become the motivation for every element of your life. To be completely immersed in the love of God, so much so that he just overflows out of you. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I have nothing. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are and whose we are. Having Christ in us, that that great love will overflow. Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with it? And the answer this morning is absolutely everything. Love has everything to do with it. And I'm just going to invite you to stand and perhaps um, Cameron can come back. And I just want to pray this morning. So can I invite you to stand as we close? And can I ask you, just as we're standing, just to bow your head for a moment, just in a moment of reflection between you and God. You know, I'm going to pray that we would know more love. Every single one of us here has a greater capacity to love. It's not about more of us. It's about more of Christ in us. More love is simply more of Christ, more time in his word, more time in his presence so that we are closer to him, so that we know more of him. And we cannot help but translate that into loving others, loving our world, even loving ourselves. So I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray that we would all have more love because don't we all want more Christ? Amen.
But I also want to pray for those who are here today and you feel unlovable. Maybe you've experienced rejection. Maybe words have been spoken to you. Maybe failures. Whatever it might be, but something along the way had you questioning, how can God really love me? He couldn't possibly. And if that's you, I'm going to pray that Christ just ministers to you this morning. And I'm just going to ask you to open your hearts to that and just pray along with me. And if you're daring enough just to open a palm, open a hand as a symbol of God, I'm responding and I'm receiving this morning. I don't want to embarrass anyone and I don't want you to share your story. I'm just asking you to just take that moment with God and just receive a revelation of his great love. And maybe there are others here this morning and you are struggling to love because things, circumstances, people in your life on your own ability are not lovable and you want the power of God to help you love in that situation. I'm going to likewise ask you to respond. Open your heart, raise a hand, however you feel comfortable responding to God, and I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you that you love us with a fierce and powerful love. Lord, I thank you that you cannot love us any more than you do right now, that each one of us are loved with a love so powerful that we cannot comprehend it. But, Lord, it is unchanged. It is unchanged by time. It is unchanged by our mistakes. It is unchanged by our circumstances. It is unchanged by how we feel. It is unchanged by what we've come from or what we're going through. It is unchanged. It is fierce. It is transforming. It is powerful. Father, I pray for each one this morning that we would have a revelation of your love and to those who the enemy would have told that they are not lovable. I just silence that lie now in the name of Jesus and I pray for a fresh revelation of your love to just pour over everyone, to fill every heart right now and bring healing as only you can. For those of us struggling to love, Father, it's not about us. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by your spirit. Father, I just pray for your enabling, your enabling. Help us to love when we cannot love. In all those ways, help us to bear all things, to believe all things, hope all things, and endure. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are struggling to endure. Strengthen them, empower them, equip them this morning. And for each one of us here, let us grow in our capacity to love. As we know more of you, we draw closer to you. The love of Christ just fills every part of our life, and it cannot help but leak out to others. I pray that for each one of us this morning. We thank you for your great love. Freely we have received. Freely we choose this morning to give. In your mighty name, amen.